I've joined your recording. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a balmy nine degrees here in Shelburne Falls, Mass. <laughs> Do you have like a, a foot of snow or some? I saw in the news there's snow emergency. Yes. That so yesterday I think all the kids in Boston had a snow day. I don't I don't think they had one today. Um certain areas on Cape Cod got pummeled twice with storms this weekend and then Boston on Sunday night got like they're officially reporting just under ten inches, I think, but like, you know, Lexa, my friend who you know, they got um thirteen inches. Hmm. Um, oh, wow. Oh, sorry. The cylindrical object that's in this room when I said my friend's name thought I was talking to her. <laughs> oh, that's no, that's that's fine. Like, uh, just so you know, this is just a fun episode. I have no agenda. Uh, there's don't really have anything to talk about. And okay, good. Well, well, we cannot say the name of the cylindrical object unless we want her to be in your podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, or at least we get paid for the product mention, right? Uh, paid or sued. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if you hear any uh, background noise on my end, it's because I am eating breakfast now uh, in a hotel room in Peoria, Illinois. Whoa, sexy. <laughs> yes, room service. Uh I uh, so the 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 back at a hotel which I'm not going to name either. <laughs> but the, the the quick backstory is that my brother is a consultant and he has a big client who I also will not name here in Peoria, but whom you can probably guess because there's only one big company in Peoria. You know, um, I'm not up on my Peoria stats, but okay. um, our audience can look it up, right? <laughs> yeah. So every, every like about once a month, he has to come down here and visit this client. And so this is the second time where I'm like, well, I'll drive you down there uh, as, you know, Uber, Lyft driver. And so he was like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? So I, I drove him down last night. So I get to stay in his in this fancy hotel. I get to take advantage of room service and a nice shower and just kind of chillax while he's in his client meeting. And then I get to drive him back to Chicago and he pays me like 200 bucks. I, I do like, well, and we'll let the audience know, I've met your brother. Actually, you recorded a podcast, uh, a ride share podcast with you and I once while your brother was in the car with us. We were taking him, you were taking both of us to O'Hare. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I do like, because you know, I'm not a fan of the man. I do like that your brother's corporate job is is helping to subsidize the the greater smith of us family <laughs> yeah well it's not like it's it's not like, like cheating or anything because basically it's, it's all it's, a, it's all within the rules right yeah because he would have had to either drive down here or something and so basically it's mileage on the vehicle uh-huh 
Yeah, which would have maybe cost even more than a rideshare ride. But and also I I like the fact that you are getting to have a little morning mini break. You deserve it. Yeah, uh, like you you've been you've been driving at odd hours and you shared with me that it's taking a toll on you. Yeah, it has been and that's probably something I'll talk about in another episode. I've been trying to change my strategy again. Um and it's it's been okay. I've been trying to do mornings now and then just sort of strategically drive uh, but having said that, this past weekend, I was out till 5 a.m. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes that just, it just happens. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, yeah, I know I, is, like when you're, when you're in, like when you're feeling really awake and it's getting later and you told you so, yourself you were going to stop at 11 or midnight, but then you're like, I'm awake and there are surges right. going on. And yeah, it's it just, I, I've been there. Yeah. But yeah, this is kind of like just uh, some me time to get away from, there's been a lot of drama in my world with a, there was a big election in Chicago. I know. And, congratulations. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, we're going to have a history of first African-American mayor, woman mayor. Right. Right. Uh, but but part of the drama is half of my progressive friends are for one of the candidates and the other half are for the other ones. And they're all fighting on Facebook about who's the real progressive and, you know, why the other candidate is a sellout or, you know, all the all the weaknesses and flaws and. You know, it's it's kind of like, I don't know. We're, we're all fine. I can't hear you anymore. Mark, you went away. Hello. Mark. I, am, am I back? Yep, you're back. Well, okay, gosh, I guess apparently when my phone goes into sleep or whatever, or the screen turns off, the 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 mic also turns off as well. Well, my phone also went into its sleep mode, but let's let's test something. I'm gonna put my phone off. It should still you should still be able to hear me. So. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So on my end, it doesn't do that, but you're the one driving the recording. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway. So yeah, there's just a lot of drama with the election and then I'm in a rideshare driver group and there's a lot of drama going on there with trying to organize and, you know, get some of the political candidates on board with our legislative agenda. And so I don't know. It's it's just nice to to when I did this the first time with my brother, he was like, Oh, you, you said you're like so like you felt so relaxed driving me out here. And I'm like, I know because then I can get away from it all. Which is interesting because in a way that's what you're doing in Boston. Are you there, Karen? Did your mic now cut out as well? 
All right. I'm going to um, stop this episode for a moment and then restart it. See if that fixes the issue. Sounds oh. good. I don't know if you can hear me. Oh, oh. I can hear you now. Did you, you just come back? Yeah. You know, sometimes when the anchor screen goes away, you. Hello again. Hey. Um, okay. Well, like this is, you know, just an experiment in using this mutual recording function. So it's got its glitches. Yes. Sorry. It could be on either one of our. Um, right. Because you're in a remote-ish location, although I'm sure Peoria has more cell phone towers than the Berkshires of Western Mass. But what do I know? Yeah. Well, it could have been on my end, too, because I think I might have accidentally hit an X or something, and that ended the recording. But I, I think it might have saved it. Uh, we'll see after this is done. Okay. But I, 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 I think it did save it. Um, okay. Just because it, it told me, well, it looked like you disconnected from me, and then it said, you're all finished. We'll tell you when this is published. So. Okay. But uh, as I was saying, it's interesting because I feel like you're sort of doing the same thing in Boston of taking like this refuge time away. I am on, on a, like we were starting to say on a much uh, grander and longer scale. It, but it was a good time with my employment situation, my family situation and the situation of um, my parents' house that's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, that we now manage as an Airbnb um, having renters in there that are staying for a few months at a time. It was just a good time for me to plan an extended getaway. It also, because I'm underemployed, is helping me relish some time for myself and also for job hunting that otherwise I'd have to be out there grinding on side gigs and, um, share economy jobs and things like that, uh, just to make ends meet. And so I jumped out of the hamster wheel. Now, are you um, driving at all up in Boston, Uber Lyft? No, I'm not, I'm not. And so number one, I've decided never to drive for, are we saying company names on your podcast? We can say Uber and Lyft. I've decided to, I guess I will use the word never with caution. I've decided to never drive for Lyft again because I had a deer run into the side of my car mm -hmm. and um, the car was still operable, although my driver's side door didn't open all the way. Um, so I finished taking my passengers where they were headed because we were in a rural area and they would have had to wait for a really long time for another driver. But anyway, with everything that happened subsequent to that moment, um, I ended up learning that Lyft has a much less desirable insurance policy and protection policy for its drivers than Uber does. Right, and the, the twenty five hundred deductible. Yeah, a $2,500 deductible versus a $1,000 deductible if you if it would have been an Uber ride I was giving at that moment. Um, and it that makes me really upset because Lyft, of course, has done better with their PR. They've definitely 
benefited monetarily to the tune of tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars um, because of the bad PR. Um, of course, the bad PR underpinned by wrongdoings at the company. But as we all know, Uber had a, a couple of years of bad PR. Um, but Uber created this market and Lyft has been benefiting from Uber's bad PR. And so there's this misconception out there by people who utilize the services, including all of my friends. I have one friend who's like, oh, my God, you would never drive for Uber, would you? I only take Lyft because of everything that we know that was happening with the Uber CEO being a jerk and a misogynist and whatever. Um, but I, she's a person that I told recently about my incident with the deer and the insurance deductible, just so she knows Lyft is not nicer or better to its drivers. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and I know that there are other like small driver benefits that you get. And, and of course, the more you, <gasps> the more you drive, Oh, Howard has decided to join our podcast. <laughs> he rarely barks at our at our um, location where we're convalescing, but he just saw someone out the window. It's okay, buddy. Go. Um, anyway, yeah, we could go on and on about the differences between Uber and Lyft and the benefits that you get as a driver, but I feel like a lot of them are are falsely billed as benefits. Like, ooh, you can get a discount with this insurance company, or you can get a discount with this, this or that. Well, these are the same kinds of discounts that you would get, like corporate discounts, or you know, there's just there's a web page where you can go as a driver to see all your benefits, and three fourths of them, I'm like, I would never use that. Like, yeah, oh, a coupon for H and R Block or whatever. It's no better than a coupon I could have found on my own. So. Um, yeah, I guess that's my current rant about the two behemoth ride sharing services. Yeah. And so you, you can't do <coughs> Uber while you're in Boston, right? I could. So I, I got really upset with Lyft. And in my last couple of weeks in South Carolina, I was only driving for Uber. And by the way, I was making more money per hour um, driving for Uber. That's another misconception that people continue to have because of the PR fallout that happened last year. People think mm -hmm. Lyft drivers make more money. Nope. As soon as I switched back to doing Uber instead of Lyft, I realized that my hourly um, earnings were up. Um, but up here in Massachusetts, in order to register to drive up here, you have to go and get your car in inspected with an emissions inspection mm -hmm. uh, which they don't do in South Carolina so I've I just had my vehicle inspected in South Carolina for the annual inspection that we all have to do as rideshare drivers but okay. now I would have to do that other step up here and apparently up here it takes them multiple weeks for them to approve you as a driver oh you have to undergo a different kind of background check for the state or sorry, the yeah. Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, and then, Mark, on top of all of that, there's a, there's an affectionate term that is utilized worldwide, and it's called masshole. <laughs> and oh. it's, it's basically referring to anyone who's operating a moving ve vehicle in the state of Massachusetts who's from Massachusetts. So, uh, 
I really well, don't wanna, I, I really don't want to drive up here if I can avoid it. I will say though that I I picked up some passengers who tell me that Chicago drivers are the worst in the country. So I guess we're we're going to give the mass holes a run in Illinois. <laughs> well, I have I I can just I can only give a personal viewpoint and it's all, it's obviously it's an opinion shaded by many other observations. I have lived in Pittsburgh. I have lived in Boston. I've lived in Chicago and I have lived in Los Angeles. So four major traffic cities and we could throw in there Charleston, South Carolina and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which both have growing major traffic problems and are giant tourist cities. So, you know, places where tourists are driving, the driving is terrible. In Myrtle Beach, for instance, in the summer, you have people from all over the country and, and from Canada who don't know where they're going, you know, right hand turn from the far left lane when they see, oh, there's the seafood shack. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so, so having lived in all of those cities, which do you think is the, has the worst drivers? Boston. Hands down, oh. <laughs> not the worst traffic. Obviously, Los Angeles has the worst traffic on a grand scale. But when you live in L.A., you prepare yourself for spending an hour each way in the car. Chicago, when, when I lived there, and that was back in the 90s, that was some killer traffic. I was once stuck in a parking lot on the way to O'Hare to pick up my mom, and it was before cell phones. So I just had to believe that she was sitting in the airport terminal hearing from other people that there was a really bad traffic jam mm. <laughs> and waiting for me for five hours. And that is what happened um, for our, for our younger listeners who don't know what life was like before you could text someone. Um, uh, yeah. Boston drivers are absolutely insane because Boston pedestrians are insane. That's a part of the problem. Um. Yeah, I, there's nothing more to say. They're just absolute maniacs here. Right. <laughs> and I'm in Western Massachusetts right now, and I've noticed that the the maniac mass hole uh, stereotype doesn't quite apply as much here in Western Mass. People are a little bit friendlier here. But when you get to Boston, man, you better be ready for some full court press, um, offensive driving, not defensive driving. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good to know. Um, the first time I drove my brother down here to Peoria, I did take some rides on Lyft because with Lyft, you don't, Uber has a lot of restrictions where you, you can't drive outside your local zone. Yeah. But on, on Lyft, you can pretty much turn on the app anywhere in the country and drive. And I remember I picked up three people here in Peoria. One, one thing I don't like is, driving in a city that I'm unfamiliar with the streets because then I'm completely reliant on GPS and I don't know like the shortcuts and all that. Um, I know that's another reason that I hesitate to do it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the rides, they were eh. like one of them was literally taking a woman down the block so she could buy cigarettes and then bringing her home. 
that's another one was like it was a cool guy i took him to to the college that he was taking classes at and then like a third one was just again like a lady going to a walgreens um so i decided you know this time i'm I'm not gonna experiment with rides i'm just gonna sit here in the hotel room and enjoy my room service and think about the future or lack thereof (laughs) (laughs) um that's more productive, Mark, than driving yeah. people for cigarettes. You're, um, you're, you're having a nice room service breakfast and you're not contributing to anyone's carcinogenic habit. Yeah. Uh, I, I also wanted to say I, I am kind of hopeful and optimistic, but also apprehensive because I just got an email from the professor of a course that I signed up to take starting in like two weeks. And I'm just, the, the apprehension is just because it's been 30 years since I've been in school. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, the whole thing of becoming a student again and having like quizzes and assignments and um, what was, what was I thinking? Of? Oh, I was thinking like the other day, if I had to write a paper and do that whole citation using that whole whatever shrunken white manual of citation style or all. it's like I, I don't know I can't do that anymore I'm like <laughs> I'm just, just going to write a blog post with like you know links that's that's my whole that's the way we do things now right so well I mean well we'll have to see what your professor requires I wish you luck I think you're gonna kill it and um, but I I understand the feeling of, of being a little uh, nervous or trepidatious about going back into the classroom as a student um, you know I, I I waited and then attended graduate school in my 30s and it really did almost kill me because I was working full-time and going to school full-time but mm-hmm. I also, though, I had the freedom to do that because I wasn't raising a family. So you have you have earnings obligations and family obligations. And now you're going to add to that a school obligation. So, um, well, but but one thing that I have not forgotten is how to kiss ass. So, like, I've already, (laughs) like, friended my professor on LinkedIn and followed him on Twitter and you know, I've, I've done like one of the class, ex- it's all online. So I've already like introduced myself to the whole class and, you know, ingratiated myself. <laughs> do I need, you know, do I need to go and buy all the textbooks today? <laughs> so they're either going to love you or think that you're a giant kiss ass. <laughs> well, okay, so... The, the professor, uh, you know, he's an adjunct and he's actually based in Denver. So it's all online. And but he works for this company that makes um, mapping software. And so I, I looked up the company and they seem like one of these cool privately held companies where the, the founder is like, you know, generous to all the employees and very like egalitarian and all that. So. So, so my objective is, you know, to take this course so that I can maybe get a job with this company. Well, that's exciting. And when when does this course begin? In like in like two or three weeks. It's like oh. a six week online course. Yeah. Nice. Which I'm paying 
$550 a credit hour. I just mm-hmm. say that because I like I you know I know that you're working on your podcast for your company. Yeah. HA. Can I can I say the name of your company or you want to say the name of your company? Yes, it's a it's a podcast about marketing and communications for colleges and universities and the company is HA31. Cool. So yeah. like you know, if you want to have me on as a guest or something and, you know, my whole pitch is like, imagine like this 50 something dad going back to school at the same time that his 15 year old daughter is also going through the stressful process of looking at colleges. And so, you know, it'll be a podcast about like a, a father and daughter's mutual journey through hell. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, definitely navigating a system that is exponentially larger and more complicated and with loopholes and ways to sort of work it than when you and I were first in college. That's for sure. Um, It'll be a a limited series podcast and you can call it FAFSA and me. I love it. No. Uh, just to let you know, my my co-host of of the education podcast, she and I spent a long time talking about the conversation that you and I had about the private um, FAFSA counselor and, yeah. and things that you shared with me a few weeks ago, just on a personal phone call that we had. And um, my co-host and collaborator um, at my client company uh, had a lot of thoughts and opinions similar to mine and was interested in your story and your daughter's story. And I said, you know, maybe one, one day soon I'll put you and Mark in touch with each other because she has always wanted to write a book about college search that kind of gets into some of the things that you and your wife and your daughter are going through right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 by the way, yeah. he loved your idea since your daughter's a freshman who's yeah. already sweating it about college. And it sounds like some of that pressure is coming from the school. Um, it, definitely. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not coming from us. Right. And so, so my, my uh, colleague really liked your idea that you had about a story kind of following the student through his or her journey of college search because college search, if you do it the right way, should be a fun process for the student and the student's family to research things on their own and talk about pros and cons and the student's personality type and likes and dislikes. And visiting colleges should be a fun thing for families to do together then unfortunately our society wraps around what could be a fun and you know significant bonding family experience and they wrap it with a with a wrapping paper and a bow of like stress and FAFSA and are you gonna have the credentials to get into where you want to go and oh my goodness well I would even say it's almost become like similar to the process of walking into a car dealership to buy a car. Um, since our 
our call and what in our conversation, um, my daughter received uh, an award, some type of arts award, and she was invited to go award at the University of Iowa, which was the sponsor of this award. Uh, and then, uh, like a couple weeks later, her art teacher said, "Oh, um, and also you are on the short list." to apply for a three-week arts residency at the university. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, that sounds great. You know, but then we like looked into it and yes, that is true. But I was thinking like, oh, wow, it's, it's like a three-week free residency. No, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's like a $4,000 you have to pay to go oh, there. So how nice. And, they, they reel in the young person with the award yeah, and then the yeah. affinity that they're building with their campus. And then they slap a price tag on the parents. That's awful. Um, well, and you know, I, I'm not singling the University of Iowa out because I'm sure lots of universities do this. But now I, I kind of view all these things as it's like a, a what do you call it? Not like a loss leader, but it's like like you said, it gets them to the campus. They probably get to see all the shiny bells and whistles. They live on campus and you're paying, but it's a way of like, you know, recruiting. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. And that sounds, you know, I'm. Just, and by the way, no, we are not singling out one university. There are tactics going on all over the place that make me go, hmm. Uh, but, you know, one would hope that a program like that for young people who are as young as your daughter, just starting to think about colleges, that the program would be billed more as a summer camp learning experience if it had a price tag attached to it. Um, usually when you call something a residency, you're getting invited there. I mean, when you're an adult and you're a resident artist somewhere, you're usually getting paid to be there yeah. as the artist in residence. So, um, that's it's a little bit of a misnomer. It it does sound a little misleading and like a like a bait yeah. tactic. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but like you know, just like I said, it, I have this now very like antagonistic feeling about any college. It's sort of like when you get something from them, I'm like very suspicious now about okay, well, what's the objective here? You know, it's not all just out of you know hearts and minds or out of the goodness of your heart you want my kid to come there it's like my kid has a number attached to them or like a revenue target and i know maybe i'm very true but and i will say though that sort of savvy recruiting stuff has been going on for a really long time because i remember uh taking the i think i was in oh no i took the psat as an eighth grader um and did well on it. And from that, and I, I was, I moved, I think I've told you before that I moved from Ohio to South Carolina. So I moved from one of the states that's ranked highest in education, or at least it was at the time in the 80s, to a state that was at the very bottom. Um, but the state at the very bottom, South Carolina, which it still is at the almost very bottom, um, they're always trying innovative things, right? And so in the mid-80s, they, they were doing this program with, of course, the really smart kids. So I, I'm my classmates had already taken the actual SAT. And we were just starting the eighth grade. 
And I remember mm-hmm. coming into that environment and having the other sort of smart kids. We were all in the same classes together. There were like 30 of us. We all sort of moved from one room to the next. Um, what did you get on the SAT? And I remember saying, what's the SAT? Yeah. yeah. Because I came from a, a culture where I was also in honors level classes, but I didn't know it. They just do it differently in Ohio. And uh, I started receiving literature from Boston University when I was a freshman or sophomore in, co- in high school. And I, I had never been to Boston. Boston University was not on my radar of colleges to apply to whatsoever, but they bombarded me with materials. I, it, they connected with me with their messaging and they had gotten my name and my PSAT score and my geographic information. And of course, at the time, they were trying to raise their academic profile and they were trying to recruit from states where they didn't have many applicants. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how it all started for me with my like destiny to go to BU, (laughs) which I did go there. Um, And and when, when I arrived on campus to see campus, it's amazing anyone who's been to Boston, Boston University is a campus that's sort of strung along a main thoroughfare that has the subway going in the middle of it. Um, So it's a very urban campus that stretches out many, 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 many city blocks. There's not a quad, but there's one area where if you're standing at the right angle, you get this picture of this beautiful Gothic chapel, which is the heart of campus, and this beautiful stone archway, and you see green space behind it with some students sitting there in the photo. And now I'm telling you, Mark, (laughs) if you just take a few steps from where that one famous photo is always snapped, you see traffic going on Storrow Drive. and, And yeah, the Charles River is right there, but it's stinky with car fumes and noisy and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but BU of course is um fantastic at utilizing that one photo um right to make it look like it's um more of a traditional quad style campus um and I I was a sucker for that but it didn't matter once I got there I mean that's where I wanted to be yeah yeah well, I don't know. I, I almost feel like I want to have this college recruitment process almost be kind of like what sports and athletes are, like they have an agent. So I would be like my daughter or my son's agent and say, okay, like who's going to give us the best deal? Like, you know, I've got a, a star student and, you know, we'll take the highest bidder or something like that. <laughs> You might be onto something because that's actually not a bad way to approach it. Or like, you know, my son is a, he's a YouTuber gamer and he has 2 million followers. So, you know, what's that worth it to you, BU or wherever to to have him on campus? Right, right. Because he's a social media influencer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But he, you know, but he has, but he, he opted out of taking the SAT. (laughs) <laughs> well, he can just be one of those non-traditional students that, you know, 
yeah. Yeah. That they're writing profiles about when he becomes an entrepreneur at age whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't anyway, know. Anyway, um, it's a complicated. It, it's it's like I'm. I was about to use the word game, but that's what it is. It's like a sophisticated game, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. But at the end of the game, let's hope it's not like the Game of Thrones. At the end of the game, <laughs> um, I think your daughter and your son are both going to find places where they feel like they've found their tribe and they're learning what they want to learn. Um, and your kids are intelligent and inquisitive and all the, all the good things. So they're going to make the most out of their experience, no matter where they go. Hopefully, or my secret hope is they become like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, or Mark Zuckerberg and drop out of school and start some disruptive startup. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, well, maybe they will, but then don't forget all those guys still had to pay their tuition bills, even though they didn't get a degree. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so I wrote a blog that we haven't posted yet because we're still editing it, um, about another conversation that happened with friends of mine who have a 10 year old or she's about to turn 10 and, uh, the three of us, me and her parents all had expensive liberal arts educations. Um, so I was mm-hmm. talking with them about some of this, but um, it's interesting because you know, we all had different opinions and we were disagreeing and having this really interesting conversation. But then I brought up the statistic of somebody's lifelong earning power if they have a degree versus not. And you just have to remember that Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and who was the other one you just brought up? Zuckerberg. Oh, he finished school. He wasn't a dropout. But um, yeah, so the the drop the dropouts who become disruptors and corporate entrepreneurial billionaires, they're so few and far between. That's why we hear so much about them. Mm-hmm. So you know, you you want you want your well, kids to have good lifelong earning power. Yeah, but as I've said before, you know, tell that to the Ivy League graduate who is now a Starbucks barista, whether that whole thesis about earnings power, you know, is true or not. Well, just because you have a fancy minted degree, that's that's not all you have to have. Like you, you're not running around town handing out copies of your Harvard diploma you have to have your resume put together and you have to have yourself put together and you have to have drive and some sort of direction so oh karen okay we're near the end of this podcast i i don't want to open up that pandora's box but that but 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 that is sort of like you're parroting the narrative of, of of a lot of these right-wing people who say like oh it's just grit and gumption and blah 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 but but the whole system is so corrupt and broken that, you know, sometimes you can do all that stuff and still like be shafted or, you know, you, you still that the whole being saddled with six figure debt out of school, you know, it's just morally wrong. Look, so I, I, we'll just I, leave it. At OK, that. no, I, I do agree with you. I do. And also, I think 
I've already shared with you before that I worked in an industry where I worked for two television producers who told me if we got any resumes from, and they named like a short list of schools, some of them were Ivies and some of them were known as like the big time film schools where all the, you know, wannabe Quentin Tarantinos were graduating. They said, if you get any resumes from these five schools, they are going in the circular file, which meant the track. Um, yeah. Because they didn't want little prima donnas as uh, production assistants. So yeah, yeah. You're, you're making a great point, but I'm sorry. If you have a degree from Harvard and you're a barista, there's got to be something else going on there. It could be because you are a poetry major. <laughs> <laughs> or something or you're an artist maybe or you got a degree you got a degree in history or it could be you and so so you and i are proximate to a lot of artists and in some ways consider ourselves artists in some fields or some genres there's also that stubborn i'm not going to compromise and go take this job at XYZ insurance company that my, you know, my next door neighbor can help me get because I'll just be a barista and do my art. Well, okay. Some of those are choices. <laughs> believe, believe, believe me, I, I, I have this conversation every day with my daughter, you know, where I'm like the Steve Jobs, like real artist ship. And, you know, what you've got to be producing something so that we can have it manufactured in China so that you can sell it on your website. And, you know, she would rather go pet the cat and listen to her, whatever thing, Snapchat, Instagram, you know, things with her friends. Well, I'm going to so. put you in touch with my friend Martin because he's currently obsessed with starting a storefront business, like what you're talking about and finding a good product. He has a friend that's, that's done, um, that's purchased people's, blogs and monetize them and still let the people be the bloggers and and he also this yeah. friend has done a few storefront businesses like that and so i just read this term the other day mark it's like um oh i'm not going to remember it now for the podcast pa uh, or passive income right passive income uh, -huh. uh revenue yeah my friend Martin's friend is now making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in passive income revenue from doing a few of these things. He works about 10 hours a week. It's not multi-level marketing, no. is it? No. He found a product that was a niche. He saw that there were not enough offerings for this one product. I'm not going to say what all this is because that wouldn't be fair. It's not my story. But he he found a company to manufacture a good quality to fill this niche. And then he started an Amazon storefront and it, it runs okay. itself. Yeah. There's actually, I've seen websites where you can buy um, other people's website, like turnkey things. And you basically take over ownership of the site and the site already has cash flow and customers and stuff. Yep. And yeah, this guy bought a blog. Um, I don't think it was a mommy blogger, but it's a woman. I'm not sure what she blogs about. And uh, mm -hmm. has worked to monetize that even more. And he pays her and the staff. So he's it's running as a business, but it's passive income for him. Yeah. 
Uh, so that, I mean, those things are very possible. Maybe it's not your daughter that needs to do it. Maybe you can be the well, 50 year old Steve jobs. <laughs> well, again, I'm, I'm begging her these days. Like I need a logo for dash cam fest. Can you please come up with a logo so that I can make t-shirts and put it on the website? And she's like, yeah, yeah, dad, I'll get to it. <laughs> Maybe you can draw a few concepts for her to get her going. It's not, I don't think that's the issue. I mean, I don't really care what she comes up with. I'm sure it'll be lovely, whatever it is. And, you know, I've already told her, you know, dash cam fest is, you know, the dash cam is this little device you see in our car all the time. And, you know, I'm a ride share driver. So just run with it. I mean, I have an idea for it, but I'm not going to say it on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I um kept you over time. I I said this was going to be half an hour, and so I think we're like forty five minutes in. So um, if if you want to talk, we can. I can just call you back separately. But any um final thoughts? Um, no. And I do need to get back to work. And it's true, okay. you and your bougie hotel. Room service breakfast self. My oatmeal is getting cold. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. You better call them to come back and heat it up for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, seriously, have a good time. Um, I guess a parting thought on that note is I'm happy you're taking a little moment of self-care and a little break from all the things you have going on. Because even if we're all on the same side politically, so to speak, like you're describing a situation where until this runoff election is over, you're sort of in the fray of friends really getting into a lot of fighting and politics is tough and ugly. Well, and this is just a preview because I just had CNN on in my hotel room and they were showing like the, what is it like 12 to 15 candidates now running for president? Yeah. Yeah. So, Yep. Well, on that that note, we won't go down that rabbit hole, but I'm glad that you're just taking a break. Don't turn CNN on. Watch, I don't know, something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, Karen. Thanks you for chatting. You're welcome. It's fun as always, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.